You're listening to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Wildcard Dynasty Show. I'll be your host this week, Matt. You can follow me on Twitter at MattFFDynasty. And with me, as always, is my brilliant co-host, Kev. You can follow on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Go. Kev, how are you doing? Matt, I'm doing absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much. Yeah, we had the combine last weekend, and it's been fun to see the overreactions to most of the stuff we already knew anyway. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it was good to get some final figures for sort of almost complete rookie models, etc. like that. So that's been good. I also had some really nice personal news this week of, joining DLF as a writer, so that's something a little bit different to this. Um, it gives me a chance to be creative in another way, but we know this show's my bread and butter. This is <laughs> what I live for and breathe for. So, um, yeah, looking forward to tonight's show. We've got an amazing guest. We've got an interesting show as well. So looking to dive straight in and uh, welcome on a hero. Absolutely, you've set it up lovely from there, Kev. Sadly, no Ali this week, but like Kev mentioned, we've got a brilliant guest to fill in for Ali and... To be honest, we're making the threesome even better, aren't we, with this, uh, with this amazing guest we've got coming on. He is the host of the Guru Fantasy World podcast, creator of the Guru Fantasy World Patreon, and the Dynasty Titan Guru himself. I mean, this is getting me all hot and bothered because you know I love me some Titans. So we give a warm wildcard welcome to David Katira, who you can follow on Twitter at Guru Fantasy World. David, welcome on. How are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. This is going to be the first uh, UK-based uh, yes. podcast I've joined <laughs> on, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, hopefully, I can understand you guys <laughs> the time, and I'm not saying, what, what did you just say? <laughs> so that, that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. No, it's an absolute pleasure having you on, David. And yeah, we're we're, we're honoured to, to take your, your virginity in joining the the Brits on <laughs> on a podcast. We promise to be gentle with you, and hopefully, yeah, like you say, you can uh, you can understand us for the most part. But like I say, a lot of this is going to be you telling all the listeners all your your knowledge about this um, upcoming free agency class. And as I say, that leads on quite nice to the show where we're going to be talking about the wide receivers. And obviously, having David on, we had to talk about the tight ends as well. So we're going through the wide receivers and the tight end in, in this free agency class. So without further ado, David, we'll, we'll kick things straight off, get to, to the wide receivers. Who's the first wide receiver that you want to talk about? That I want to talk about? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a very loose term one there, but yeah. let's, let's just say, who, who are we making you talk about then? <laughs> let's just get that out of the way in general. This is an extremely poor free agent class in general. Yeah. Uh, the top two guys we're looking at are pretty much Jacoby Myers and, and Juju Smith-Schuster. So I, I put Juju um, first. I think or I might have put uh, Jacoby first. But it's yeah. it's basically those two in whatever order. Uh, Juju is the guy who I was a little bit higher on this past year. He's got a little bit more of a history of production than Jacoby Myers. Uh, he dealt with some issues with injuries this year. But when you look at the, the total line, it wasn't bad. He still put up 78 receptions, 933 yards. Uh, and this was in 16 games. He obviously, I believe, two games was knocked out early. Um, so we're, again, looking at a guy who was pretty much uh, about a 1,000-yard receiver. Again, this was in Kansas City with the greatest quarterback in, in the entire universe. Um, but right now, I would say there's a decent chance that Juju returns to Kansas City, I would say. 
Uh, they don't really have many other options to go after in free agency, uh, especially when we talk about the, the familiarity aspect. All right, they could go after another similar Juju type talent. But then again, you, you have Juju a little bit more familiar with the system bringing him back. So I would say there's a good chance he goes back to Kansas City, uh, especially if he could stay healthy, if he can build on even just a little bit. Uh, his rapport with Patrick Mahomes, we could see him be up above 80 receptions, above 1,000 yards next year. And uh, he's going pretty pretty cheap in Dynasty right now. Seems like a lot of people have pretty much cooled on him. Uh, so I don't mind Juju Smith-Schuster at ADP at all right now. Yeah, what you, you summed it up really nice there. Wide receiver 53 at keep trade cut, which – um, if I go to page two of the wide receivers after the top 50, it was a little bit mind-blowing. But that's with the rookies included, so it's, it's not a surprise with the, the rookie hype. Um, yeah, you did put Jacob Myers top on the sheet, but I, I did switch it around because I wanted to come and talk about <laughs> Juju first. So I was a bit selfish there. Um, he's someone that I've, I've had a ton of in Dynasty. I've sold him in some places, bought him in others. I think at that price, he's really interesting. He's proven to to be a volume guy. Um in the past in Pittsburgh, he had a pretty good season with the Chiefs on very few touchdowns. So you'd like to think that swings back the other way. I think my only concern is if he goes to a place, um, a bad team looking for the money, um, but because he's he's generally took discount took a discount stay in Pittsburgh, he took less money to go to the Chiefs, he's got a ring. Maybe the, the motivation is money now, which could lead to him picking a bad situation for dynasty but um i think overall is a great place someone that i'm very happy to be going after at cost or sticking with at cost um and we'll see see where it lands and that will determine if it's going to be more buying or potentially selling yeah i should have known that you're going to change the show sheet guys, so you could talk about juju obviously a love for him last off season there, there was no way that you weren't going to talk about juju but um yeah like you mentioned i think we, we all got excited him when he landed at, at the chiefs and I think overall it was quite an, an underwhelming. He started pretty hot and then kind of faded away towards the second half of the season. Uh, but maybe that second half performance in the Super Bowl, what could earn him a, a new contract in in Kansas City, keeping him there? We, we know that the elite quarterback that they've got in Patrick Mahomes is, is always going to be great for Juju in terms of the potential ceiling. Um, we know there's competition for, for targets with Travis Kelsey. I can't see him going anywhere anytime soon, despite getting up there in age. He's, he's still looking dominant at the, the position. And he is basically the wide receiver one there. He's, he's got a tight end label on him, but he is the wide receiver one in, in Kansas City. So, um, yeah, I think maybe the, there's, there's obviously risk there with, with Juju if he does stay with the, the Chiefs. But on the flip side of that, you, you can't go too far on when you're connected to, to the best quarterback in, in the NFL currently. So, yeah, I'm hoping also that he maybe stays with the, the Chiefs and can develop on what he did um, his first year there. Like you mentioned, Kev, there's, there's, there's opportunities for him maybe to go out and think, right, I'm probably the biggest name in this free agency class. Let me go out and, and get the most money I can now. I've got that ring. So it's going to be interesting to see how it develops over over the off-season. But either way, I think at, at the value currently, wide receiver 53, I think that's pretty good value, to be honest. And in Dynasty, he's still pretty young. We're, it seems like he's been in the league forever, and he has been in, in the league for quite a while, but he is still pretty young. He was... He was super young when he came into it to the NFL. I think he's still 25, 26, so plenty of years left in him. So, yeah, really interesting guy in terms of dynasty, as I say, that value. Um, yeah, it feels, feels pretty good. David, what do you think that wide receiver 53, would you be happy to, to pay that kind of value to, to get Juju? Yeah, in a startup especially, I think the yeah. real kind of question is going to come down to what kind of rookie pick are we willing to pay. 
Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm paying more than like 209. Like I would probably cash in Juju for like 208. I think I can get probably one of the tight ends in Kincaid or Laporta, yeah. who I really like. I think they got a lot more upside to gain value in the market. Uh, a guy like Marvin Mims, who's is a rookie. Uh, I think you're mm-hmm. going to see him go in that middle to back half of the second round of rookie drafts. Uh, again, he's uh, Marvin Mims, an early declare. He's a guy who's a true freshman breakout. He's going to get drafted in the first three rounds. Very good combine, 4 3 40, 39 and a half inch vertical. Uh, I would I would turn Juju or Jacoby into Marvin Mims if he was on the clock. Um, but if we're talking like 209, 210, 212, I don't really have any issue paying that for for Jacoby. I think you're going to get it. We're going to still have some good running back uh, profiles in that range, but probably it's going to be the ones who are in bad situations. Um, so if you're looking for like a contending depth piece like Jacoby Myers, if you want to pay like 212, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, Juju, I, I probably – it's hard for me to pay any two just because I, I don't know – that the market values his his name like that. And I just feel like you pro- probably don't have to pay more than like 301 for a Juju. Yeah, definitely. And as the, the hype continues to grow with these rookie picks, I'm, I'm sure you can get that done potentially after the NFL draft when the hype's probably going to hit the peak when um, when we see all these landing spots and, and the draft capital. Yeah, I think that could be a perfect time to maybe go out and, and grab a Juju if you are a contending team. But yeah, you mentioned Jacoby Myers a little bit there, David. Do you want to elaborate a little bit more on Jacoby Myers? Where do you see him, see him landing? What do you think his, his dynasty outlook can be um, moving forward this offseason? Yeah, it's interesting when we kind of put him and Juju in that same conversation <laughs> together and kind of compare yeah. them. Because from a previous production standpoint, Juju's probably the better bet going forward. These guys are both 26 years old. Uh, but Juju, we've got, he's got 160 plus target season on his resume. He's got three seasons with 75 plus receptions, 900 plus yards. Uh, then we talk about Jacoby. He, he's never had thousand yard season, but he's led his team in three consecutive seasons. The market's got just seems like more positive sentiments on Jacoby. He's kind of just been going slightly ticking up, hasn't let anybody down where Juju kind of was got overpriced. He's burned some people. So it's just more negative sentiments around Juju, which is why he's priced lower, even though he he might actually be the better bet uh, for production. Um, So Jacoby, I would probably take him over Juju just -hmm. because I feel like I have a better chance, like I said, of selling him, of getting like a 208, 207 for Jacoby. Then I don't really think anyone's going to give me that for Juju right now. So I do have Jacoby Myers a little bit higher. Um, you know what you're getting in, in Jacoby at this point. Like he's going to be probably a, a fancy wide receiver three. He's probably going to be above 800 yards, but he's probably not. If it goes to a thousand, probably not too much above it. At his age, he doesn't really have much room to go up in market valuation. So you're not really buying him. You're hoping you know to flip him later. You're just kind of buying and cheap and hoping to just ride that production through through the rest of his career. Yeah, I think at the moment there's quite a bit of hype around Jacoby Myers. I mean, I'm not saying he's a, he's a superstar or anything, but I think just because of what he's done in New England, being that that target out there, I think people think that he's maybe better than, than what he actually is because he was obviously an undrafted free agent. I think that's helped build the narrative that he's, he's always outperformed what you expected from him because 
who was that undrafted free agent because nobody expected too much from him. And then going into New England and basically being the, the wide receiver on there for the last couple of years, I think that's getting people a, a little bit excited over him. And maybe I had temporary expectations because I think he's basically been the only option really in New England for the last couple of years in, in terms of targets. And hence, his, a lot of his production has been through targets rather than the yards, like you mentioned, David. I think he's, he's been great in PPR with the receptions, but like you said, the, the yardage is not really wowed anybody. And um, yeah, I, I just have my concerns that if he goes to another offense and he isn't that that wide receiver one there, that, that target monster that he has been for the last couple of years, then yeah, I mean, what we've seen already is, is high wide receiver three numbers, like you mentioned. I think that's probably a ceiling and I wouldn't really expect too much more, even if he was to, to move to another team. Um, I know he's getting touted as maybe being the, the big name in this free agency class if, if Juju obviously stays with the with the Chiefs. And I think that just goes to show how poor the class is. Like you, you mentioned at the top, it's, it's not strong. And if we're, we're quoting Jacoby Myers as being the, the star wide receiver in this class, I think that says it all, to be honest. Yeah, I'm going to try and rattle your cage now a little bit, Martin. Jacoby Myers, <laughs> thinking how can... How's Kev going to do this? So I was thinking back to last year's free agent class and obviously Christian Kirk got paid the bag and uh, he had a great season. But I, th- I thought I'll compare like sort of Kirk to Jacoby Myers. I had a look at the last couple of seasons before um, hitting free agency. And if we look at those two seasons before free agency for both, Jacoby Myers had a better two seasons heading into free agency than Christian Kirk on points per game and in overall points. So... I think he has produced really well. I'm not going to say that he's going to be what a top 20 wide receiver next season costs. Kirk got landed in a great situation with an ascending, potentially elite QB. And trying to think of spots where that could happen in this free agent class, um, it couldn't be really tricky. You'd have to be banking on one of these star rookies that are absolutely hitting the ground and better than expectations. But I think Myers is a solid guy. I think um, David summed up really well that he's got more suitors than than Juju as well. Uh, we've seen Juju's sort of keep trade cut value be below consistently, even when he went to the Chiefs, didn't get a massive bump. So yeah, I would have Myers over over Juju, but I think what's Myers um, wide receiver forty five keep trade cut. I think that's really fair value just based on he's been in New England. It's not a great place to be with. Uh, Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi, uh, Cam Newton, uh, all the other, and we're not going to mention the go, obviously. Um, but um, but yeah, I think wherever he lands, if he leaves, he's potentially going to be um, better or a lot better than than New England. Yeah, I, I love you trying to rattle my cage there, Kev, going for the for the Kirk mention. Even though, we'll not mention the fact that he had to play with one of the best wide receivers ever in Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, we'll not mention that part, and, and obviously. Jacoby Myers playing with the uh, Chick Fil A workers and and just being in there, so yeah, that's that's perfectly fine. But yeah, we, we, you've got me, you, you've hooked me, you've got me. But we better move on then. And, and this is not going to make me feel any better because we're going to be talking about one of your favourite wide receivers, Kev. Um, David, who's the the next wide receiver we're we're going to mention here? Uh, next on the list, I believe we've got DJ Chark. We do. Um, and again, you just see how fast this free agent class <laughs> drops off, like. It's looking like DJ Chark is probably going to be paid to be a starter somewhere. If if you need a starting wide receiver and you're not getting Jacoby Myers or Juju Smith-Schuster, DJ Chark is probably going to find a role as a top three wide receiver on a team somewhere. He was this past year. Um, He's one of my three favorite kind of like bargain bin wide receivers who are just 
going super late in both dynasty and in like redraft. If you're doing underdog drafts as well, which I'm doing a bunch of um, two, one of them's an actual free agent. That'd be DJ chart. The other two are could be cuts, which would be Corey Davis and Curtis Samuel. And now all three of these wide receivers were either above 800 yards total last year, or they pace for it when we remove uh, the games they were injured in. Um, so DJ Chark, he's former round two pick. He's above 800 yards in his healthy pace in his healthy games last year. Uh, he's a former thousand yard receiver already on his resume once. And he's dirt cheap. He's priced outside the top 60 dynasty wide receivers, I believe. Um, it, it's just uh, at this point, he's a guy who you don't, don't have to spend anything on him, similar to Curtis Samuel and Corey Davis. And especially we're talking about dynasty leagues where maybe a deeper lineup, you have maybe three wide receivers, three flex or two wide receiver, four flex. If you can get a guy who you can throw in there and he can get you 10 to 12 points, uh, there's some value in that when you're getting these guys in the 15th plus round of a dynasty startup, uh, you can get them same thing re redraft on underdog best ball. You can get them in like the 15th, 16th round. Um, so I think DJ Chark, especially in best ball, he's got boom potential. He's not going to be a consistent guy week to week basis, but again, he's a guy you can throw in there and maybe he catches a touchdown, a uh, long play has gets you 10 to 12 points. Yeah, I think we've, as we're further getting to this offseason, first of all, I just want to mention about rookie wide receivers coming in seem to have had the hype dampened a little bit in certain respects. I don't believe that myself, but um, I've seen a few different um, analysts talking down the wide receiver class um, as a rookie and obviously the free agent class is poor as well. So guys like Shaka potentially are going to be landing in a, a starting spot um, and expected to, to contribute. He has had a top 20 fantasy season in his career. Um, in his in his second season with the Jags, so yeah, I think what you pay for him, you're going to get fair value. You're going to get a chance to start him. It's just all where he ends up. Um, I, I was on a, a show a couple of weeks back, Fancy Nuts, and I mentioned that Shaq could be a fit for someone like Baltimore. So if he ends up there with uh, with a, a legend coming back at wide receiver, which we make on to in a bit, and Mark Andrews, etc. I think it's that will be horrific for him. But at price, wide receiver seventy two or something, I think it's a fair value to to get him as a throw in in a, in a trade. Yeah, like you both mentioned, I think the fact that he is so cheap, wide receiver seventy two on keep trade cut, you're getting him for next to nothing. I mean, it's like we, we've spoke about before, when this rookie hype starts building when we we get to the NFL draft just after the NFL draft. I mean, DJ Chart, you're going to get him for like a, a fourth round pick. And I mean, I'd rather take a shot on somebody that's shown that little bit of production in the NFL. He's got that, that potential upside, that, that ceiling, like you mentioned, David, in your best ball leagues, you know he could have those potential boom weeks. So the fact you can get him for next to nothing, I think I'd rather take that that known quantity in DJ Chart, like I've mentioned, is it's finished as a, a low-end wide receiver two, mid-wide receiver two before in his career. So if he lands in a good situation, a situation where he can get a bit of, a bit of volume, then... Yeah, I think he's a, a solid pickup at a super cheap price. Um, it'd be great to see him just in a, a little bit more expanded role than, than what he saw with the Lions. Obviously, he struggled a little bit with injuries last year, but um, I think, yeah, going to a, a good situation, I think the value is definitely there in, in Dynasty and somebody that you can get, as I say, for, for next to nothing. So, yeah, while it's, like I mentioned, this this free agency class is not fun at all. So the, the fact that we're having to, to kind of big up DJ Chark says a, a lot about it, but... Um, yeah, I think there's potential there with him. But with that, David, we're, we're going to move on. And another guy you mentioned here is Michael Thomas. 
Um, and I think this is a really interesting one. So tell us a little bit more about Michael Thomas and his situation moving forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure he's actually technically a free agent right now, but he obviously has a, a huge cap hit. And yeah. I believe they're going to have to make a decision basically on whether they're going to retain him. They're going to work out some sort of uh, restructured contract or whether he's going to hit free agency. Yeah. Michael Thomas is just, he is got such a high ceiling when he's on the field. <laughs> At this point, he's played what uh, three games in the past uh, three seasons, pretty much uh, two and a half seasons. And he just hasn't been on the field. He's dealt with multiple injuries. But even this year, in the three games he played, he averaged 17 points per game. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who had four straight wide receiver one seasons to start his career, I believe. I'm not sure about rookie, but he had three straight after that. Mm-hmm. Wide receiver one. And then, obviously, the injuries come up. But he's never not been a wide receiver one when he's on the field. And he, we could just be getting end of career Julio Jones. Like, that's a possibility. And, all right, maybe he's just not worth anything anymore. But as far as guys who actually produced 15-plus points per game last year and are priced outside the top 150 picks in Dynasty, we've got James Conner and Michael Thomas. That's it. Two guys who averaged over 15 points per game last year and are way outside the top 150 picks. (laughs) So you're not spending anything to add Michael Thomas to your team right now. If you're buying him in a rookie pick, what do you have to pay? A mid to late three? Might even be able to get him for a four once, like, rookie drafts are actually on the clock. Uh, And uh, we all know the hit rates of rookie fours if you've been playing Dynasty for any any decent amount of time. is not a very high hit rate. Uh, So if you're a contending team, instead of just throwing a dart at someone who's probably not going to hit, you could throw it at Michael Thomas, who really all we need is him to be on the field, him to have – some form of health and if he does hit free agency well it opens up some options you know what if he wants to go rejoin sean payton in denver you know what if he kansas city wants to take flyer on we know they're fine taking flyers like especially these cheap flyers uh there's not a lot of other options for agency uh what happens if he goes to a good spot and his value probably can't really go any lower uh so I, i'm i like michael thomas at cost i'm gonna just keep wasting late picks if that's what it is until he retires like i just i don't want to have zero michael thomas just in case he does get healthy and play and put up a season he's 30 years old cooper cup's 30 years old like if this guy's healthy there's a chance he's giving you some pretty pretty decent weeks uh this season so i think at cost especially when you're managing a larger portfolio uh you want to have at least a little bit of michael thomas oh david that that got my blood flowing that i'm an absolute lover of michael Thomas. so for you getting hyped there yeah that that got the blood pumping a little bit yeah like you mentioned that I, I fully agree with you kev you know even last off season i was banging the drum i was getting michael thomas everywhere i think he was going like wide receiver 35 40 and now when you're looking at keep trade wide receiver 77 he's lower than dj chark he's wide receiver 77 on keep trade that is stupid it's ridiculous i i, I don't get that at all um, like you mentioned, David, I'm grabbing him everywhere. Any startups I'm doing now, I'm picking up Michael Thomas at a super discount because, like you mentioned, yeah, it was only three games. There's obviously risk attached with the, the injuries. He's getting towards the, the back end of his career. But those three games, just those three little games at the start of last year, 
it dragged me straight back in again. I was I was thinking I'd pull a, a master stroke last off season, getting him at a, a discount. Obviously went down with the injury, but that just those three games have pulled me back in and I'm fully with you, David. I can see it if he stays in um in New Orleans with the, the Saints. I think that's gonna be great. I've heard mentions that he was part of the the the, the backing of getting Derek Carr to go over to, to the Saints. He was he was kind of pushing to get him there. I've heard that he's been on the phone to Derek Carr saying, Come on, what we're we doing, why aren't we out there getting some reps in already? So it feels to me like he does want to stay with the Saints. I think they've, they've already restructured his contract, so maybe that's pointing towards him, him staying with the with the Saints. Um, yeah, I'm all for it. Let him be there. Chris Alave is gonna gonna be that that shiny toy that everyone's gonna get excited about, and rightly so because he is an absolute beast. But that's gonna take a little bit of pressure off my Thomas as well, and I think that's perfect to be honest with the guy getting up there in in age, but going under the radar. Yeah, the, the, I don't think there's any better wide receiver to us in Dice right now that I'm looking to get. It's such a discount. So, it's fun. sorry to cut you off. It's funny yeah. you use that saying. Let's too, keep dude. going. <laughs> I just uh, I started watching The Sopranos, age 29. I, I said, I got to watch the show. It's Everyone says it's the greatest show of all time. And they use that saying all the time. Just when I thought I was out, they <laughs> pulled me back in. <laughs> so that's immediately what I'm thinking of. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, when, when, I when, I saw, when I saw Michael Thomas, I thought, oh, Matt's going to love this. <laughs> and, and I think he was harsh on yourself, Matt, because he obviously was high on him. And then he started, off three great. Games. <laughs> he started off great and then obviously got injured. It was <laughs> broke his toe and that ended his season, which was quite, quite yeah. funny. But um, yeah, I think when he's on the field, he's great. When he turns up, he's great. He's like Mike Posner. He, he drops a banger, goes missing for six, seven years, comes back, drops another banger, goes missing again. So, yeah, if this is a return, if he's on the field, absolutely agree with David. Spend your a late third, a fourth round pick and get him on your, on your championship teams because we know what his, his ceiling is when he's on the field. And I think with the Saints would be great. But if he does become a free agent and go meets up with Sean Payton again, there's been rooms of Cortland Sutton getting traded. That'd be pretty sexy as well. Absolutely. And with that, we've got one final wide receiver we're going to talk about. We, we spoke about one aging wide receiver that's a, a superstar in the NFL. This is another one. This is close to my heart as well, David, talking about a former New York Giant wide receiver, Odell Beckham. Come on, let's let's finish off the wide receivers on a, on a strong point here with Odell Beckham. Yeah, it's it's funny. Again, put when you put him and Michael Thomas in the conversation, it's kind of <laughs> interesting how he, he's kind of leapfrogged Michael Thomas in the dynasty market. And this is when he did nothing. He missed the whole year from an ACL injury. And now he's go. I saw him go in the 11th round of a startup uh, that, that I'm currently in Odell Beckham. Wow. He is basically Michael Thomas, except when he was on the field recently, he hasn't been as good. Uh, so it seems right now like he's got a better market at least like more teams will be interested in him than they would be michael thomas at least that's just the sense i'm getting is that odell beckham has a decent free agent market uh we'll see where he goes i i would be more confident in michael thomas producing on the field if he's on the field this next year than than i would be in odell beckham uh nothing against obj but he just kind of seemed to have fallen off when he was on the field a little bit uh towards the end of his career just not quite as productive as Michael Thomas was when he was on the field. And obviously Michael Thomas has got the injuries, but it's not an ACL injury. So 
I think I'm just, I would rather target Michael Thomas, especially at cost. I don't see any justification for Odell Beckham having left Michael Thomas in dynasty value. Yeah, I think with um, with OBJ, there's you've got to think there's lots of Cowboys and Giants fans in your leagues. There'll be a Matt in each league that still has that affinity to, to OBJ and his time there. Personally, I, I'm I'm off OBJ. It shows me a little bit more. I know he had that little stretch in the Super Bowl, which it was. I think that was his last game, was it? Before the injury, it's been that long ago. Um, so vividness bias plays into that. That his last game was he was killing it, and then he got that unfortunate injury what is he over 30 now he's coming off a long-term injury he, he could have joined the team last season but he didn't so kind of worry what his motives are is he going to end up in dallas which is <laughs> strongly rumored i think he should because it'd be hilarious to play the giants and <laughs> the eagles again and yeah i'll, I'll be all for that but yeah obj i think he is someone that's got more name than game at this stage so yeah i think he has got a Mm, yeah, I'm, I'm off him. I'm off him. Yeah, I said I love OBJ, right? and I obviously do love Odell Beckham. What he did with the uh, with the Giants was amazing. But from fantasy, I'm I'm not letting that get in my way of, of my view on Odell Beckham. I don't think fantasy is somebody that I'm going to get too excited about for the reasons you both just laid off. The fact he's coming off that ACL injury, there's a lot of risks attached to, to Odell Beckham. I just don't think he's he's shown that that productiveness towards the, the back end of his career these, these last couple of years when he has been on the field. And like you mentioned, the, the Super Bowl game, he was looking fantastic in, in that game before he got injured. And I think that's the, the Odell Beckham people have got in their minds, but forgetting about what we've seen from him the, the whole year before that, when he was with the Rams, I know he was he was kind of hotting up towards the back end of that season. But um, yeah, there's there's just too much risk for, for Odell Beckham. I think his value on, on keep trade credit actually says he's 101 on keep trade cut. So, that feels ridiculously low, but like you mentioned, David, if, if people are taking him in the 11th round of dynasty startups, and, and I fully agree with you, I've seen it all over Twitter, everybody's still talking about Aldo Beckham, so I'm not fully sure I believe that value on, on Keep Trade Cup, but um, yeah, I wouldn't be willing to, to pay too much for him, but I do love Aldo Beckham, so I'm hoping he comes back in. He just makes a few more of those big plays. I mean, is that is that spectacular catch kind of guy? He's, if you're on Madden, he's got that 99 rating on, on the spec catch because he is one of the best catchers of the ball in the NFL, but yeah, for fantasy, I'm, uh, I'm not falling for it. I'm not getting back in, not to the same level as Michael Thomas. Anyway, that is for sure. But David, we've we've put you through enough there with the, the wide receivers. We even had to talk about guys that aren't even potentially going to be free agents. That, that's how bad the, the free agency class is. So we're, we're going to move on to now the, the part that I know you've come on for really, David. This is the one we've been waiting for, the tight end. So we'll kick things straight off with Dalton Schultz, a guy that, that Kev's going to love talking about here. Yeah, I would say our transitions have just been so natural this episode. Like, <laughs> it's talking about the Cowboys. I would have to the Cowboys. Oh, another Cowboy? Dalton Schultz. Well, just to give you a little background, uh, one of the main tools I offer uh, Guru Fantasy World through our Patreon is a tight end anatomical checklist. So what I'm doing is just charting the full profile of essentially every tight end uh, and then I'm organizing them according to my rankings. And what we're doing is basically we're charting their height, their weight, their draft capital, whether they were an early declare, we're charting their 40 time, their vertical time, their college dominator rating, their college yards per reception, their catch radius. Uh, those are all pre-NFL uh, career parts of the profile. So we have the pre-NFL profile, and then we have the NFL career where we're adding their points per game through their first four seasons in the NFL 
And I just recently added their yards per route run to the checklist as well through their first four years in the NFL. Um, so when I look at Dalton Schultz in his place in the dynasty landscape right now, out of my top 25 ranked tight ends, I've only got three who had a college dominator worse than 15%. Dalton Schultz at 11% dominator. Dawson Knox at 4.2% and Irv Smith at 14%. Everybody else in the top 25 was above 15% as a dominator in college. So Dalton Schultz was not a productive player in college at any point. He was not drafted highly. He was drafted in the late fourth round, the compensatory section of the fourth round. Uh, he was not an early declare. His athletic numbers are terrible. He ran a 4.740, 32-inch vertical. That's red and yellow. It's red flag and 32-inch. It's not good. Uh, his yards per reception in college, 9.6. That's a red flag. Catch radius, 47th percentile. I have zero green in this guy's pre-NFL <laughs> profile. Zero. It's yellow or red across the board. And then we talk about his NFL profile. It's not really good either. First three seasons, three points per game, 0.1 points per game, 9.2. All right, that's – and then 12.3, obviously, he had one good season. Yards per route run is not good either, 0 0.94, 0 0.40, 1.11, in his one good year, 1.52. Uh, coming into last year, he was the only top – he had the worst yard per route run against man coverage of any top 12-ranked dynasty tight end. So this guy – has just kind of fell into the right situation in Dallas, uh, was producing somewhat decently against zone, basically a zone beater in, in a loaded pass heavy offense. We talk about what happens now when you put that into free agency. Uh, I'm sure you've heard it before. Uh, it's very likely he goes the route of Austin Hooper, who's a guy who kind of the same thing was not drafted highly, not a good athlete, uh, not overly productive in college. Had a good season with Atlanta in a high-volume passing offense. What happened when he got paid and went to Cleveland? Obviously, fell off the map. Uh, value went into the tank. Uh, so I see that with Dalton Schultz a lot, especially we talk about Dallas's uh, cap space. Like they, they might be bringing back Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> uh, they're they're going to have to pay some other players as well. Uh, they just franchise tag Tony Pollard. And then we talk about when Schultz was out this past year. Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot, they didn't play too terribly. Uh, so it's looking extremely, extremely likely. Like Dalton Schultz is leaving Dallas. Like they're not going to pay him what he's going to demand on the free agent market. And kind of talk about Austin Hooper. Schultz is probably going to get paid by somebody. Like somebody's going to give him probably 30 plus million dollars. And he might even get a, a value bump in Dynasty when he gets that contract. Because we talk about Austin Hooper. His value actually went up when he went to Cleveland before it went down in season. And the offseason went up because he got paid a lot. There wasn't a lot of perceived competition where he was. Uh, and people just kind of got excited again. Um, it's a little different with Schultz because he's not coming directly off that good season. He's coming off, uh, he went down and now he's going into free agency. Um, but I can see potentially if he goes somewhere where he gets paid and there's not a lot of perceived competition. Uh, if there's not a market for you to sell him now, you might be able to post signing. Um, but I'm looking to get rid of Dalton Schultz either now or, or as soon as he signs. I do not want him anywhere on any of my dynasty teams. I think there's a lot of guys in that range you can pivot to. Um, 
like talk about a McBride, talk about a Chago Conquo. If you can get McBride in a future two, even we're talking 2025, I don't even care. McBride in a 2025 two for Schultz in a 2025-3, I'm taking McBride in the two, Chigg in the two, if I can give Schultz in the three. Again, if you want to talk about the offseason, what sells? Age. We can go after a guy like Darren Waller, who I think's probably got more impactful seasons left in his career than Dalton Schultz. But he's older, so you might be able to get Waller in a future two for Schultz and say the 311 in this draft. You might have to kind of play on, oh, I'll give you a late three in this year for a future two 25 years down the road, whatever the hell it is. But I'm looking to get out of Schultz into another tight end I like in that tier, whether it's Ingram, Waller, McBride, Oconquo, no Fant. You can probably get Fant plus two for Schultz, Jelani. I mean, I just don't see how you hold on to Dalton Schultz in that tier. He's the guy I don't want. No, absolutely. This felt like that make or break year for, for Dalton Schultz. We, we knew there was opportunity there for him with um, CeeDee Lamb being basically the only weapon and Gallup coming off that injury. This really was the, the make or break season after that impressive um, season the year before. And sadly, it was, a, it was a break. It definitely wasn't a make for him. And yeah, like you mentioned, I think you, you've absolutely nailed it in terms of the, the Austin Hooper comp. It feels just like that. Like you mentioned, maybe... The, the, the season in between is not the exact same because it's coming off a, a down year. But, um, yeah, getting that hype from that one big year, he's going to move on. He's probably going to get a, a decent contract. But like you've mentioned, he's, he's never really been somebody I've been super in. Kev, I know I made a joke at the start because I know you were kind of getting in on Dalton Schultz for the, for this year. So, um, yeah, I think now it is, like you mentioned, David, you, 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 let, you read it off really well. I think now is the moment to, to move off him while he's still got value. Tight end 11 on keep trade cut, like you've mentioned, he's in that range of tight ends where I pretty much take anybody over him in that that tier that you mentioned, all those players you mentioned. I'd love to, to make those kind of moves. And if you're getting a throw in as well, then that's just a bonus on top. So, yeah, I think you, you've nailed it, David, with that. Yeah, I've got loads of shorts, unfortunately, because when he came into the situation, when he fell into that situation, like last season, if we're thinking we're still in this season, um it worked out great he was getting off waivers he had a, a high tight end one season um and then all of this season i've been trying to sort of diversify and get off him but i've really been struggling to sell him you know i think there's uh the the dynasty landscape's getting a lot smarter dynasty managers and he's in that range where nobody wants a low-end tight end one everybody wants that top five or six uh, as the, the the championship winning piece so I do hope he moves to, well, I hope he stays, but he's not going to stay. I hope he moves to someone like Houston, maybe, like you mentioned, David, low um, target competition, um, going to get paid. So, hoping for something like that, and then fingers crossed we can move off him, and I would love to do a deal to get Chig, no doubt. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and with that, we'll move on to, to the next title, and this is another really interesting guy, Mike Gusecki. David, what's your, your feeling on him and his outlook in, in terms of dynasty? Because obviously there was a lot of hype when he came into to the NFL, but how are you feeling on him right now? Mike Gusecki is just the ultimate tease. He, <laughs> he doesn't look terrible in certain aspects on paper. I mean, obviously he's a fantastic athlete. He ran a 4'5", 440, put up a 41 and a half inch vertical. He wasn't terribly... Uh, unproductive in college. He had 21.5% dominator. That's not bad. Uh, but he also only averaged 9.9 yards per reception in college, which like does not mesh with his athletic numbers in any way, shape, or form. It's like this guy should be generating yards at a 
at a high rate. He should be way above 9.9 yards per reception. Uh, he wasn't an early declare, but he was a second-round pick. Um, so I would say he's got a fairly high floor just from the fact that he's a good athlete and he was drafted in the second round. These type of profiles generally have decent careers. Like he, He's probably not going to fall off the face of the earth. He's also a free agent. So we talk about wherever he goes, it's going to be someone who has the intent of using him, the intent of using him in the right way. But his NFL career just doesn't really give you a lot of hope, like reason for enthusiasm. Points per game, first four years, 2.9, 8.5, 10.6, 9.7. It's all right, but it's nothing crazy. In On a yards per route run basis, he hasn't really been efficient either. 0.93. 1.09, 1.6 in his third year. That was good. That was obviously like his best year. 1.45 in the fourth year obviously fell off this year. I mean, I just don't really see him being more than what he is at this point in his career. He's gone further enough into his career. We know he's going to be probably a red zone weapon. He's got the ability when the matchup is right to have a big game. But what I expect consistency out of him, absolutely not. Way I expect him to be a thousand yard tight end, a number two target on a team. I don't think that's likely. And then we talk about this class. Like we talk about some of the guys coming out, uh, Meyer, Kincaid, Laporta, who I love. I'm not even a big fan of Washington or, or Musgrave. Um, but I think you can get Laporta at the 212 or 301. I'm taking the re roll on him, who's just as good an athlete as Mike Kaseki better dominator rating in college and he's just got a lot more uh potential to rise in the market because he doesn't have any of these negative sentiments that he's built up over years of disappointing people in the nfl um so if i can take again mike gasecki as soon as he signs with somebody i can turn him into the 212 and then go draft sam laporta i would rather go draft sam laporta than to hope on mike gasecki transforming it in a new offense yeah when you mentioned him being a teaser you got me thinking that Maybe he's like a stripper, you know. Um, I just think that that is a worry as well, that he, he takes some money and then you don't have me face the shadows. So, yeah, uh, he, he's a really interesting guy athletically, but, yeah, not he's not done it in terms of his, his output. I think somewhere like Detroit would be interesting just because there's ties to the OC Ben Johnson and um, they're crying out for a, a tight end that can uh, run routes. I think he's more of a slot wide receiver, if anything, but... Um, yeah, like I said, if he gets a good, good spot, I will be happy to move off him. Um, and, and hopefully, like I said, if you can re-roll re and get one of these tight ends you like, then that'll be awesome. And um, what you said on Musgrave, I'm going to have to move him down now because obviously I'm a tight end guru. And he's uh, quite, he's quite mine. <laughs> I will say this. I'm not against Luke Musgrave like I'm against Darnell Washington. We talk about the Dominator ratings, right? So we talk about every single tight end in the top 40 of the dynasty line. every single one except for dawson knox had a dominator rating above 10 percent in college every single one of them except for dawson knox like they showed something of the ability to produce in college both darnell washington and luke musgrave are above 10 percent. luke musgrave at least has the excuse that he got hurt in his final year his first three years, he didn't clear 10% dominator, which is bad. That's a red flag. He's obviously a great athlete, ran like low four sixes. He's probably going to get drafted in the first two rounds. 
And in his last year, he was off to a good start in the first two games. He had like 14 catches or something like that. Uh, he was on, on pace for above 20% dominator rate. Darnell Washington, he ain't got no excuse. He's got nothing. <laughs> Everyone says he's got Brock Bowers. He wasn't just outproduced by Brock Bowers. He was outproduced by Lad McConkey, by Kenny McIntosh, who was a fifth-year senior running back, by another wide receiver, Marcus Rosemary, Rosemary Jack Saint, in addition to Brock Bowers. He's never finished any higher than fifth on his team in receptions in any year. Uh, another stat that uh, I saw from Jack Falcone pulled it, since Darnell Washington has signed with Georgia, there have been 89 touchdown passes. He got three. He's got three. <laughs> three. This dude is very much going to have a good NFL career. Let's make that clear. He is very good as a blocker. He's huge. And he's not going to get any smaller anytime soon. He profiles somewhere in between O.J. Howard and Mercedes Lewis to me. O.J. Howard was at 15% dominator rating a little bit faster. So I think he was a little bit more productive, a little bit more like a receiver than Darnell Washington. And he's had one decent season as bro. Obviously the injuries derailed him. Mercedes Lewis, like he was not as fast as Washington, but he was a first round pick as well. He was actually productive in college. He plays, he's still playing in the NFL. He's played over 10 seasons in the NFL. He had a year where he caught 10 touchdowns. I could see Washington having a year where he catches 10 touchdowns in place, 10-plus season. It could happen. But Mercedes Lewis also has been above 600 yards one time, one time in however dozen seasons. So Washington, I think he's going to be a good NFL player. I don't really think he's going to ever be a guy you need in fantasy at any point in his career. Musgrave, I'm scared of him because he didn't produce in the first three years. But he is an athlete, and he was on pace to produce in the fourth year. So I at least have that to kind of give me some enthusiasm. Darnell Washington, it's just like, oh, he's huge, and he ran a four six four forty. Like that's that's about it. So I don't hate Luce Musgrave anywhere near. I'm just not interested in Darnell Washington. Love it, love that. I mean, we've we've got David on. You know, he's love for tight ends and. Kev just had to drop that little bomb in there and, and David just ran with it. Yeah. And I fully agree with you. I think the hyper on Washington's getting a little bit a little bit crazy just because a big tight end that, that that is athletic. But talking of athletic tight ends, Irv Smith, this one's gonna kill me because I'm 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 a known lover of Irv Smith and he's kinda of let me down over the last couple of years. Um yeah, your, your thoughts on, on Irv Smith, David? I used to be I didn't hate him at first, then he got a little overpriced and I started thinking he was a sell. And now he's in the range where I don't mind him at all. Like we talked about, all right, he wasn't productive in college. He was one of those three tight ends I mentioned and ranked in the top 25 to be sub 15% dominator rate in college, which is not good. But he was also a second round pick and an early declare. He ran a 4.6340, averaged 16.1 yards per catch in college. So there's a lot of green there outside of the dominator rating. And he did play at Alabama. So it's like, all right, that's going to lower your dominator ring probably a little bit playing with the guys that you do at Alabama. Um, and he's just kind of been forgotten. Had the injury. Minnesota brought in Hawkinson. Uh, and his profile is not terrible. Like 4.9 points per game, 7.6 he was hurt, and then even 6.9 this year. That's not terrible. Like he's very similar 
I would say bet to Dalton Schultz. It won't surprise me if Irv Smith gives you more impactful seasons the rest of his career than Dalton Schultz, but he's just, he's free. Um, so I don't mind Irv Smith. Anytime you can add a guy who was a second round pick early declared, decent athlete, uh, efficient, uh, at least in college, not, not so much as a pro. Um, I don't hate him at his current price tag. He's what is he on, on KTC right now? 31, Titan 31. Yeah, that's super. That's that's yeah. free. Yeah. Um, fully with you. I mean, I mentioned my love for Ed Smith, so the fact you can get him for, for next to nothing is not going to help my my love for, for Ed Smith because you can get him for, for such a cheap value that I'm, I'm probably going to be back in on him this year. It depends a lot on the landing spot. It would be great to see him land in a situation where he can get some some targets and, and be that, that lead tight end and, and, and being a, a target hogging in an offence. But I don't think there's going to be too many teams crying out to, to grab Irv Smith and, and pay him a big contract, so it's going to be risky. But um, yeah, like you mentioned, he's, he's next to nothing in terms of value and he's an athletic tight end. And I mean, we, we kind of like those guys in, in fantasy. They can get on the field and, and make some catches, make some yards after catch, then then that's great for sure. Um, but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see where he lands. And with that, we're, we're going to move on to, to the next tight end. Um, you've gone for Foster Moreau. Dave, are you there? Oh yeah, I think I think I bumped my uh, camera, so you should still be able to hear me. Let me see if I can. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm on the Aaron Rodgers retreat. Let's see. But yeah, you're back, David. We've got you. Uh, quick one on on Foster Moreau. What's your feelings on him in terms of time stuff? Yeah, I'm just gonna finish up with Irv Smith before I kind of oh, yeah. go into uh, just because I wanted to give a comparable. Just because we talk about what sells this time of year, age, recency bias. Like mm -hmm. talk about that range. Another guy who's almost identical profile to Irv Smith, but draft a little later. Daniel Bellinger, who he was a fourth round pick late to Claire. He only had a 16.2% dominator rating, but he's hasn't built up any negative sentiments in the market. You can probably sell Bellinger for Smith in a, a late three in or mid three, uh, Late three, maybe you're getting, maybe the porter falls to the late third and that late thirds ends up being the most valuable pick in the deal. Um, so I think, Bellinger, not that I hate him, but again, he's nothing spectacular about his profile. Kind of like Irv, not really productive in college. Four six three forty. It's I think that's an identical number. Uh, six point eight points per game is repeat. It's nothing crazy. Um, so I would I would be looking for a guy like him. Foster Moreau, again, maybe he signed somewhere. Um, we can flip him. He's talk about sub fifteen percent. He's at twelve point three percent dominator in college. He was a fourth round pick late to Claire. We don't really have anything good for him other than the fact he ran a four, six, six, 40, 36 and a half inch vertical. So he's not a bad athlete. He's a decent athlete. The yards per out run numbers. Uh, first two years were decent, like 1.35 for a rookie. It's not bad. 1.49 uh, his second year. Then he kind of fell off 1.12, 1.22. I think he's more of a backup. He could get paid to be a starter somewhere. Don't think that's going to change a ton for him. Um, I'll pro again, I'll probably if I can sell for 301, if he signs somewhere, people think, oh, he's going to be a starter. I'll take the re-roll. Give me the chance I'm getting Sam Laporta. It's, I think you guys are starting to notice that I really like Sam, <laughs> Sam Laporta a lot because uh, I keep bringing him up every single time. He's the guy I want. I think Sam Laporta – has got as good as a case as any tight end in this class to be ranked as the tight end one. And I think he's got as good a chance as anybody to 
to end up becoming the most valuable tight end in this class. Like obviously Michael Mayer has got the fact that Mayer's got a 35% dominator rating and he was an early declare and he's probably going to be around one pick. And those are all uh, indicators. Um, so Mayer was just a better producer. He's early declare. He's going to be drafted higher, but he's not the same athlete. 4 7 40, 32 and a half inch vertical, only 12.1 yards per reception in college. Like he's somewhere on the Hawkinson Fryermuth spectrum. Perhaps at the top of it, I mean, he's got essentially an identical profile, exact same 40 time as Hawkinson, going to be a first round early declared just like Hawkinson, height, weight, almost identical. He had a better dominator rating than Hawkinson, but a lower college yards per reception. So he's a little more productive, but probably just not as efficient. Um, but Laporta, my God. I mean, the guy's going to be a second round pick at this point. We're in a four, five, nine, 40, 35 and a half inch vertical. He had a good shuttle time too. I don't even chart the shuttle, but he had a good time there too. Four, two, five. He had a 25.5% dominator rating. Uh, the yards per reception, not crazy high. 12.6. I would have liked that to be a little higher, but my goodness, he led Iowa in receptions in three straight years. Sam Laporta has two separate seasons with more receptions than Darnell Washington has in his entire career. Washington had 45 receptions in his career. Laporta had 53 as a junior, 58 as a senior. So we talk about Iowa too. They they've got a track record of just spitting out these tight ends, Kittle, Hawkins, and Fant. Like Laporta's coming out of there too. My God, just getting googly eyes for this guy, man. Like, especially you telling me I don't have to draft him as the tight end one either. Like you're talking about Meyer's gonna be that the one-two turn Kincaid in the middle of the second, probably. Uh and then Laporta is going to be at the two, three turn. So I've seen him go on like three or five in some of these rookie mocks. Like I'm going to have a lot of Sam Laporta at this rate that we're heading, unless he lands somewhere on draft day and everyone else starts getting googly eyes for him too. Well, I mean, if anyone's listening to, to this show, I think um, everyone's going to be getting excited about Sam Laporta here because <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I like as well. So I'm loving that you, you keep singing wax lyrical about him because yeah I'm, I'm right there with you but with that we, we better move on to, to the fantasy wildcard section that you've got for us David so this is the point where we get his guests to to give us their pick of the guy that I think is going to increase the dynasty value the most in 2023 so David who's your wildcard selection well I just want to give a shout out to the your previous guests whoever they were because they, they covered <laughs> some good ones uh yeah. Traylon Burks was already covered I think he, I probably would have done Traylon Burks um I think that's a great one just to talk about him before I get to my guy talking, there are two wide receivers right now in the dynasty landscape who average at least 1.7 yards per route run on at least 200 targets and are priced outside of the top 24 wide receivers, uh, age 25 or younger, 1.75 yards per route run. We got Traylon Burks at, Wide receiver 24 and Brandon Ayuk at wide receiver 27. So every other wide receiver that is 25 or younger that was averaging at least 1.7 yards per run is valued ahead of Traylon Burks and Brandon Ayuk. So they're kind of in that cohort, but they're the cheapest ones in it. And I just especially talk about the second year wide receiver. Like there's a lot of value for the market to go uh, bananas about Trey Lumberts. If, if he puts up even a, a, a decent, a wide receiver two finish this year in his second season. So I love that one. I think he's a great value as well. I think, like I said, Brandon Ayuk, I could have done him as well. I'm going to go with Rashad Bateman 
uh, Brandon Ayuk's a little bit higher. He's like a seventh round pick. I still think he's could end up as like a fourth, fifth round ADP by this time next year. Bateman's like a ninth round pick. And really, if we're betting on someone to gain a lot of value in Dynasty, is going to be a QB, which I don't really see anybody who's a good bet to gain a ton of value going late. The market's just like very uh, crazed for quarterbacks at this point. Like any quarterback with a pulse is is getting drafted pretty highly. And then I would say probably might be like one of these rookie running backs, like because we have Bijan, Gibbs, Charbonnet's pretty much claim the RB three role. We have a lot of other good players uh, with good rookie running back prospects. And one of them is going to get the draft capital and landing spot. And you're going to be able to get them at the like 201, which right now the 201 in startups is like a 10th round startup pick. I could see that RB4 might be Kendra Miller, might be a guy like Zach Evans, uh, Devin uh, A-Chain, whoever it ends up being. I could see them. They have good rookie season uh, becoming like valued, like top four rounds, uh, round four, round five. But other than I don't know which one to pick out of the pre-draft. So I'm going to go with Rashad Bateman, who kind of reminds me a little bit uh, of Jerry Judy, who he was a great prospect. He was uh, early declare, round one prospect. He was productive early in his career at college. And he didn't really have a bad rookie season, but he did disappoint according to expectations. Um, he obviously had the injury in the preseason, so he didn't even get to play until about halfway through the season. Uh, he had his snap counts limited, uh, so it just didn't really generate a lot of hype post-rookie season. But in his rookie season, he had six-plus targets in every single game where he played at least 50% of the snaps in Lamar Jackson was at QB. So we saw this guy who had a great college profile. He's a good athlete, ran 4-4-3-4, 36-inch vertical. Uh, he came in and he immediately demanded targets when he was on the field as a rookie. Obviously, Marquise Brown gets traded. Uh, the hype starts going up. Everyone starts saying, Ooh, might be Bateman breakout time. And it almost looked like it was to start this past season. He kind of had a few issues with like getting a full snap count. But that's not something you really worry about being an issue long term. We don't really see any good wide receivers who are like, oh, he's great, but he only plays 70% of the routes and snaps. It's just something that always kind of works itself out. But on a per route basis, he obviously had a couple big plays. Per route basis, he was top 12 in yards per route run this past year. The only wide receivers that with at least 25 targets and a higher yard per route run than Rashad Bateman this past year, Tyreek Hill, Diggs, Devontae, Amon Ra, Jefferson, Waddle, CD, D-Hop, AJB, Olave, Cup. That's it. And then it's Rashad Bateman, 2.38 yards per route run. Talk about another way of evaluating wide receivers' uh, reception perception. After his rookie year, Rashad Bateman was 74th percentile or above in all three categories. After his rookie year, 74th percentile versus man, 85th versus zone, 81st versus press. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty good. So I see evidence across the board that's telling me Rashad Bateman is a Good wide receiver has wide receiver one talent in the right situation. And it just has just the price has fallen because you have multiple injuries and people are going to get upset. Kind of like they did after Jerry with Jerry, Jerry Judy before Russell Wilson uh, got traded to Denver. They were upset. But then we, what do we see with Jerry Judy? Even he dealt with injuries this year. But he was good when he took that step on the field. Judy averaged almost 15 points per game. 
when he was on the field. And now Judy's going in the late fourth, early fifth of startups. And if he has a good year this year, he's probably going to go even higher. He'll probably be like a third next year. So I see Rashad Bateman going in the ninth, late ninth, tenth in some startups. And I don't really see a whole lot of room for it to go down. Baltimore's probably going to add wide receiver help. But I think the top two wide receivers in uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Quentin Johnson probably going to be off the board by the time they pick at 22. Um, so I could see them maybe, maybe they add a Zay Flowers. But if they don't add a wide receiver in, in round one, it's going to be Bateman season again if he stays healthy. And I, I think we'll see what happens with Lamar. But I don't view Lamar as a negative, especially with talk about Greg Roman's leaving. That's just a lot of people have been waiting for that because he's just shown such a commitment to the run game. So uh, Lamar could come back. They could have a more pass-friendly quarterback. Uh, I, I see their passing volume going up. Uh, it was a lot higher the first six weeks while Bateman was playing until he got hurt. Obviously, Andrews got hurt, and then they just reverted to an extreme run-heavy offense again. But I just I see a lot of room for Rashad Bateman to, to post 13, 14 points per game this year. Uh, for him to just reclaim that hype that he had. He's got the prospect profile. You know, he's he's he did decent, a whole bunch of decent stuff you can point to his first two years. And I think uh, he could be in that fourth round range as a dynasty pick next year, uh, which is about a five round jump. So I could see him gaining a lot of value. No, I think that, that makes a lot of sense. I think currently Kutrick cut wide receiver 37. So definitely got that room to, to expand them for, for the reasons you mentioned. Yeah, I think that's a, a great selection for, for your wild card. So with that, that brings us to the end of the show where we've discussed the upcoming free agency wide receiver and tight end class from a dynasty perspective. Obviously got David's fancy wild card selection as well, which I think a lot of people are going to agree with in, in Richard Bateman. But before you go, David, please let everyone know where they can find anything you, you might be working on or that you want to plug. Yeah, I mean, I'm very active on Twitter. If you want to follow me there at Guru Fantasy World WRLD, you can blame Twitter for the character limits there. <laughs> Not trying to rip off Juice World. I was going to say, I thought that Shout out to Juice World. All right, Pete. But uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter there. We're doing a whole bunch of, you know, behind the scenes stuff at the Guru Fantasy World Patreon. We'll talk about that tight end checklist you get access to. Uh, you're going to get access to my top 250 dynasty rankings. We've got every player ranked. They've got a tag that says either buy, sell, hold. Also got fourth tag. Not a lot of people have. It's the buy, sell tag for those players who can fall into either depending on the range. So it's also got a player note, uh, recommended moves for that player as well. Um, so you're going to get the checklist. You're going to get the rankings. You're going to get access to the Discord as well if you sign up for our Discord tier. Uh, we've got some more um analysts in there as well akash and nelly they're doing great if you want to get any advice from them you can join the discord and, and you know pick their mind anytime so i definitely recommend joining the the guru fantasy world patreon it's not just my stuff there's other analysts as well a uh, very cheap entry fee right now so you're going to get a, a lot of bang for your buck there absolutely cap any final thoughts on today's show yeah, just thank you so much for coming on, David. You've shared a, a breadth of knowledge. You've had plenty of laughs. Uh, Sam Laporta is one that's going to stick with me, no doubt. Um, yeah, honestly, like in terms of your, your content on Twitter, the the threads, the the quick, snappy, concise uh, posts you do on on buys and sells, uh, I've got to say you're one of the best out there on Twitter. For just, I agree with so much of what you're saying, what you're doing, your process behind it. So, um, yeah, just. If you're not following David already, what are you doing? Get on it. Juice World. Thanks for coming <laughs> up.
<laughs> yeah, and I just echo what Kev said, David. We, we appreciate you coming on. I think it's it's been long overdue. I know I've been interacting with you for a long time now on Twitter, and like I've mentioned, you're you're one of the best out there. Everything you put out on on Twitter and through your Patreon and and the, the podcast you do, everything it's it's fantastic. So it's just great to, to finally have you on. We, we've took your virginity doing a British podcast, so hopefully you, you enjoyed it. I know a lot of people's first times. It's it's not always great, so hopefully we've we've made it a good one for you, David. And yeah, it's been be a lot of fun so thanks once again for, for coming on and joining us I'll, I'll have to double back in the future for sure absolutely i'm coming back for sloppy seconds <laughs> that's always a good sign and it's always that's great to hear. but yeah <laughs> thanks for tuning in and be sure to follow us on twitter and subscribe on youtube at fantasy wildcard thanks once again have a good one and we'll see you again soon When you have the wild card, you have the power to change the game.